uh, sang the song this morning with the line, Set Your Church on Fire. Every time we sing that, I am reminded that there was a time at Summit Drive Church here where someone took that literally true and started a fire upstairs during the course of the service. <laughs> and, and, you know, Pastor Vern Lemke, who is, I, I believe, in the pulpit at the time, he just asked a few ushers to take care of it, and, and he just continued on. Now, fortunately, it was a very small fire. I, I can assure you today that if there's a fire here, we'll, we'll dismiss you. And there's actually 12 doors to get out of here. So this is a really safe building. But you know what? We should always be praying that the Lord would set his church on fire in the right way of understanding that, that he would make this place so alive with his spirit and with what he's doing. Amen? Well, you know, for 36 years of my life, I had the privilege of attending a church called Cedar Grove Baptist Church in the north end of Surrey. At one time, this little church was called Ellendale Heights Baptist Church. But the name was changed when the church bought some land on 104th Avenue, or just off 104th Avenue, and that was very near Guilford Town Center Shopping Mall. Here are a few pictures of the church. Uh, could you go back to the other one for a moment? There's two of them up there. Yeah, there, there it is. This, this was phase one of the church facility, and it was built in 81, 82. It was a total of 20,000 square feet of ministry space, and if I can give you some perspective, we have about 13,000 square feet of ministry space. And uh, this was built back in the days when, you know, we had work parties on Saturday, and 30 people would come out and help build the building. And... Um, Yes, even the senior pastor came out and helped and fell off a ladder and broke his arm, which probably makes a case for doing it professionally rather than by volunteerism. And uh, the next slide here is uh, phase two that we built in uh, 1990. It was completed. And this was a fabulous facility because it was another 13,000, no, 15,000 square feet of ministry space that included a college-sized gymnasium and six or seven full-size school classrooms. And some of you might look at that and say, that looks a little like Expo. Well, this was an Expo building, 86, Expo 86, and it was in Vancouver. And we bought that facility, or the outer shell, for $1,000 but it cost 60000 for them to put the shell up. And this was actually the new uh, no, Prince Edward Island Pavilion. And so we had lots of pictures of Anna Green Gables and all that on the outside of this facility. And, uh, you know, this is another example of how God provides. When we were building it, there was volunteerism on Saturdays, and there was a lady who worked with me in her 80s at the time, Elaine Campbell, her name, Elizabeth Campbell. And uh, she, uh, we, we were using some community kids who were serving community time for offenses in the community, and I was to be their supervisor, and she was with me. And boy, she was always setting these young men straight, make sure you stay on the narrow way from now on. And she was a lot of fun. And little did I know it, but she was wealthy. And when I arrived here in Kamloops, I found out that I was the executor of her will. <laughs> I never said yes to that. I would never say yes to that. <laughs> It seems to be a conflict of interest. But this thing was substantially paid off through her will. And I just amazed uh, 
how God finances, supports uh, ministry. And he always does that, friends. Hmm. Anyways, I tell you all about Cedar Grove Baptist here this morning for one reason, is that on their weekly bulletin, they had a slogan. And here was their slogan. Every member a minister. Every member a minister. Esther, we're going to reinforce this today, that you are a minister here at Summit Drive Church. And, and I love this for so many reasons. It kind of says this. Everyone matters. Everyone gathered here this morning matters. You all bring something to the table that enriches this community. Our health and vitality is really dependent upon everyone who gathers at Summit Drive Church. But more importantly, I believe it's a slogan that is deeply rooted in our New Testaments. So this morning I'd like to look at a passage of Scripture, a very short passage of Scripture, that most certainly supports the saying, the slogan, every member a minister. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning, and we're going to look at verses 10 and 11, and I really do encourage you to open your Bibles, and we really do encourage you to bring your Bibles. You know, I'm responsible, I think, for encouraging some of you not to bring your Bible. And you know why? Because every week we usually put the text right in the handout. Now, I didn't have that put in handout so you wouldn't bring your Bible. <laughs> I did it because I wanted to make sure that when people visited our church, or maybe not even believers yet, they would have some scriptures to look at. But I really do encourage you to bring your Bible. And if you don't have one, see us after the church service. We just bought a bunch more of uh, NIV large print, large print. If you're, uh, you're needing large print, I use giant print myself, I think. But um, anyways, we, want, we just want you to have your Bibles open all the time and open them on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. You know what, you're, you know what I'm saying. Anyways, let's open our hearts now to the reading of God's word this uh, this great passage we find in 1 Peter chapter 4, and it reads, each of you, kind of includes us all, doesn't it, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And as we know, as Jill talked about last week, what, 21 spiritual gifts some think there's only 18 because they think some of them are over, overlapping. That, that doesn't really matter. The big, de- the big deal is, or the truth is this, there's lots of spiritual gifts. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Seems to put a little pressure on the preacher, doesn't it? <laughs> hey, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Friends, I believe this passage that we're going to look at here this morning, for well, we're going to reflect on this passage for about 18 to 20 minutes. I think it teaches us four things, four things about ministers. And yes, when I use that term minister this morning, I am speaking, I'm addressing each and every one of you. So first of all, Ministers use their spiritual gifts. As we read in verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. You see, spiritual gifts are not ornaments. 
Spiritual gifts are something, you might say, divine enablements that allow us to build up his community. And most certainly, every follower of Christ has a spiritual gift, as we're reminded in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, where he writes, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, again, for the common good. In no way are spiritual gifts reserved for those who are hired to pastoral positions. For if you are part of the body of Christ, you are gifted in some way to make this body a believer a more fully functioning church. Furthermore, and this is really, I think, really quite exciting. If you are part of the body of Christ, your identity, at least part of your identity, is that of a minister. And I say that because earlier on in 1 Peter, Peter uses this word to describe you and I. And here it is. We find it in 1 Peter 2.5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Of note, four verses later, Peter uses this word again, but this time he calls you a royal priesthood. I have to conclude, to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be a gifted minister or a gifted priest. It's part of your identity in Christ. And as priests and ministers, we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What are those? Well, the Bible actually talks quite a bit about it. A, a spiritual sacrifice can be a good deed done in Christ's name this afternoon. You know, as Christ talks about even a cup of cold water given in my name, well, anything you do in the name of Christ is to be seen as a spiritual sacrifice. We actually read in the book of Hebrews that sharing is an example of offering up a spiritual sacrifice. And in 1 Peter 2.9, it's a sacrifice of praise. It's also seen as a spiritual sacrifice. Friends, I believe whenever we use our spiritual gifts or whatever talents or abilities for Christ's sake, we are offering up a spiritual sacrifice pleasing to God. And yes, as priests and as gifted ministers, we all have something to do in the church or in this world that I think is just so pleasing in the eyes of God. You know, this week I asked one of our 90-year-olds, I said, how many dresses are you sewing this year? You see, we have this 90-year-old lady, I think might be 91 now, I'll have to, I'm not going to ask her to stand right at this moment, but anyways, I asked, how many dresses are you making? See, she makes dresses for a ministry in Uganda. And it's a ministry that's, uh, there's a couple out of school teachers who use their summer to go there to minister to the health needs of impoverished children. Anyways, her answer to that question was 200. She's going to sew 200. Recently, someone cut her a check for $200 and says, here, here's some more material. Here's some more material. Keep sewing. And she said to me, I think my sewing machine's going to break down. I says, if it breaks down, I can guarantee you someone's going to give you another one. So just keep sewing. Friends, that's what ministers do. They use whatever gift or whatever talent they have, and they use it for kingdom purposes. Secondly, this passage teaches us that ministers serve people. Oh, yes, ministry ultimately is about serving God. But when we serve God, we serve people. 
People so matter to God. Once again, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. To serve others. You know, I think one of the beautiful things about becoming a follower of Christ is that ultimately, if you're following him, he will pull you outside of yourself into the lives of other peoples. That is what Jesus does. And you know, when we, that is corporately, use our spiritual gifts or our talents or our time or our energy, hundreds of people get cared for. They get served. Just think about this. Last summer, 40 of you gave up 20 hours one week, second week of July, to serve 175 children here. And what amazed me is there was even some school teachers doing that. After teaching school all year, they gave up another week to do ministry to children. Last summer, 28 of you went to Fort Providence. And you loved those people in that community. And you supported those ladies who had been doing ministry up there for years, doing really difficult, hard ministry, and you were there for them. Last summer, six or eight of you teamed up with Colton and ran a youth camp here. Twelve of you went to Mexico. And you know what? Probably 14 people every week gather for prayer. Friends, let's never underestimate the importance of prayer ministry. Everything we do needs to be bathed in prayer. But let me say this. This past week, 26 groups gathered here. Some at the church, many in homes. And we have groups that meet during the week for every age group. For young children, it's Awana. And we have junior youth and senior youth and college and then all these adult groups. Yes, you gather for discipleship training, which includes fellowship, prayer, and always food, way too much food. (laughs) And for children and youth, there's always a lot of fun activities as well. But here's the amazing thing, and most of the staff didn't understand how many people are actually being served. But I tallied it up, and I counted twice, There were 490 to 500 people at those 26 groups this last week. That's almost as many people as we averaged per Sunday last year. And you know what? Two groups haven't started meeting yet. So this morning, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who serves life groups as teachers or hosts who open up their home for all those youth leaders that meet week after week for all those cooks that go into that kitchen and prepare food for ministries like seniors and young adults, and that entire Awana staff, and I don't know how many would be on that team. Aaron, how many are on the Awana staff? Two dozen, 24, and you could probably use a few more, right? But 24 people gather to serve the children. And I think there's, what, 90 to 100 children? 100. Well, I only counted 90 when I was counting Awana. So it's just amazing how many children are ministered to week after week in this great ministry. And you know, also I want to thank this morning for those who serve behind the scenes, you'll just never know what they do. And for those who gather to confidentially and with great integrity record the financial giving of the church. That is not an easy job. And thanks for those who shovel snow and cut grass. 
Those who repair things. Friends, there's something to repair here every week. Think about your own home. You're always repairing something. Well, this is being used by, you know, five, 600 people a week. There's always something breaking. And so we need something being repaired every week. And, you know, thanks to those who raise the level of love in our community by the way you greet and care for people when they walk in the building. That's something we can all do. A smile, a handshake. You can sit there praying for that person beside you, and you're raising the level of love and concern in your community. Thanks, Thanks to those who pray regularly, who offer words of encouragement, who support the church financially, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Friends, this passage says to us very clearly that ministers lovingly serve people. And yes, God's great purposes. Thirdly, this passage teaches us that ministers are resourced by God. Look at verse 11 again. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God. God provides. Now, in the opening part of verse 11, Peter places all of your spiritual gifts in one of two categories. Either you have a speaking gift, and there's at least, what, seven or eight of them, and then on the other category is serving gifts. And we all have either a speaking or a serving gift, and maybe we have a one of each. But in regards to speaking gifts, those who speak are to speak the very words of God. God. And of note, when Paul writes his letter to the Romans, he says that the scriptures actually are the very words of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 2. And furthermore, in his letter to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, he says that all scripture is, in fact, God-breathed. Therefore, I have to conclude that Peter is reminding those with speaking gifts to prayerfully study the word of God, for in doing so, they will be able to speak faithfully about God. And furthermore, the scriptures will in fact provide those with speaking gifts a never-ending source of material. And likewise, so were those with serving gifts. For the passage before us makes it very clear that if you have a serving gift, you're to do it with the strength that God provides. You know, this fall between seniors, senior luncheons, young adult luncheons, or dinners, I should say, and Alpha, there were 29 delicious meals that came out of that kitchen. Now, I want to tell you, that's a lot of food prep. (laughs) That's a lot of ministry. That's a lot of effort being extended. And I just want to say this. I hope those who serve do so in accordance with the strength that God provides. You know, there's, there's times in life we need, we need time out, right? There are times where we just can't do ministry. But all things being equal, most of us can. But when we do it, we've got to make sure we do it with the strength that God provides. Amen? Be assured, my friends, God resources people for ministry. And he does so, and this really changed the focus of my message this morning, so that in all things, God may be praised and receive the glory. 
And that's really my final point here this morning. Ministers serve for the glory of God. Once again, verse 11. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things we do, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Friends, it is God, according to Peter, who gives people strength to do what is good. It is God who gives spiritual gifts. He's the one who gives ministers word to speak. Friends, it is God who gives people a desire to make a difference in this world. It is God who gives us his love so that the ministry we do will really count. Because if we don't have love when we do ministry, what are we? We're just a noisy gong. It is God who calls us to ministry. It is God who makes us into a royal and holy priesthood. Yes, ministers. Therefore, it is God who should receive all the glory and all the praise when it comes to doing ministry. And that's why Peter ends verse 11 with these words. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And friends, when we do ministry for that motive, it really takes the pressure off us, doesn't it? Because it becomes not about us. We're just passing on what we think we are called to do because it's all for his glory. So although this passage we have looked at here for the last 18 minutes most certainly supports the idea that every member is a minister, the greater lesson is that God is the true source of all Christian ministry. And for that reason, he is the one who deserves all the glory and all the praise. Amen? Amen. Last week, Jill said, um, she posed the question. And I like the question. Here was the question. What would a church look like if everyone used their spiritual gift? No, I love the question, and I, I took some time to answer it, and I came up with seven or eight adjectives to describe what I think that kind of church would look like. Now, friends, I don't know how you answered that, if in fact you did, but without a doubt, I want to be part of a church we are working towards having all members part of the ministry team because I really believe that's exactly what Jesus wants for his church. This is his church. Every member a minister is not just a catchy slogan. It's Christ's design for his church. Jesus really does want each of one of us want one of us to be, in the words of Pastor Mark Batterson, all in when it comes to doing church. By all in, he just simply means devoted, committed, consecrated. You know, when Ben Froze gave his graduation valedictorian address at last year's commencement program at Thompson Rivers University, he said to his fellow graduates that the degrees they had all earned were to be used for the good of others. Yes, their degrees were not just so they could get a job, and that's a great thing, by the way, but rather these degrees were for the betterment of those that they would serve. Now, I was not surprised to hear that Ben said that. Ben was obviously speaking from his Christian worldview. But I would say, friends, in like manner, the spiritual gifts we have received are not just to equip us for ministry, but they're also, friends, for the common good. 
for the betterment of other people, for the building up of the body of Christ. So this morning, I would like just to simply challenge you and invite every one of us to be all in when it comes to using your spiritual gifts and building up his church. I really want all of us to be, well, again, I will borrow Peter's words from this passage today where he reads that we would all be faithful stewards of God's grace. God, in his grace, gives us gifts, gives us desires, gives us, he gives us a shape, as Jill said last week. And we want to use our entire being to be faithful stewards of what God has given us. So once again, in honor of Jesus, for the love of Jesus our Lord, I so encourage each and every one of you to use your God-given gifts, doing your part to build up his church. Earlier in the service, Dave pointed to that handout. And you know, many of these ministries where we have needs are on a rotational basis. It's like once every five weeks. We don't want anyone in this church to be overburdened. We need to do all of life, right? But when we all play our part, the church is strengthened and enriched. I would so encourage you to prayerfully look through that list and hand it in. and Let's have all hands on deck. And you know, when I say that, I realize that some of our members now are confined to bed. But I'd never hesitate to ask them to use the gift of prayer and give them specific prayer requests. In many of our seniors' homes, they can be praying, and they can be a blessing to those seniors' homes that they're in as well. But now I'm going to go beyond what I've just said here this morning for about five minutes And I want to offer a broader challenge. If you were to take 13 or 14 minutes this afternoon and read through 1 Peter, that's all it would take you, 13 or 14 minutes. I'm a slow reader. That's all it took me. You would see that Peter, he really wants us to be all in in every dimension of our lives. Our faith is something... It involves more than Sunday worship. And I think we all know that, don't we? So in closing this morning, I'd like to summarize the things that Peter is challenging us to do, to be all in, to be fully committed to doing God's will every day of the week. And so I would encourage you to maybe flip over your handout here this morning to the side that reads all in. In the Apostle Peter's first letter, we are challenged to be all in Obeying, loving, and honoring Jesus Christ. And maybe that just says it all right there. (laughs) Because in fact, if we are loving and honoring Jesus Christ and obeying him, we will be all in, right? And let's not forget that we were reminded in that very first sermon on this series when Dave was speaking from Colossians, where it says we're created by Christ and for Christ. Yes, we're to be challenged all in pursuing a life of holiness. Because, you know what? Virtue looks really good on us, right? We're challenged to be all in loving other people. Love is the greatest, Paul says. And 1 Peter says, he he reminds us that love covers over a multitude of sins. 
Love is what keeps people together because we offend one another once in a while. You offend your spouse once in a while. You offend your best friend once in a while. But love covers that over. Love handles it. Love is so awesome. We're to be all in, ridding ourselves of sin because you know what? Sin doesn't look good on any of us. We're to be all in, declaring God's goodness, and not just on Sundays, but outside the church as well. Living evangelistically so that others may embrace Christ as well. You know, Dan Chabelle shared with me this week that he had an atheist, and Dan was humbled by this. He says, well, I've become a believer now. And Dan asked, well, what changed your mind? He says, I saw Jesus in you. Wow. That's, That's a pretty humbling thing. We're to be all in, showing respect to everyone. And Peter's emphasized, especially to our leaders. Is it fair to say there's a lot of disrespect for leaders today in our world? And we're told to pray for them. We can challenge them, but let's make sure that we're praying for them as well. We're to be all in doing good everywhere we can. And you can see that's a fairly major theme in this book. We're to be all in following Christ's example. And especially returning good for evil. It's natural to give people back what they deserve. And Peter says, no way. Don't show revenge. Respond in love. We're to be all in serving our spouses. And verse 7 reminds guys, hey, if you don't want your prayers to be hindered, make sure you really are considerate with your wife. We're to be all in giving a reason for the hope we have. Staying alert so we can pray. And as we looked at this morning, using our spiritual gifts. Caring for those we lead. Putting others first. That's humility. Living under God's leadership. Resisting the enemy. Standing fast in God's grace and greeting one another warmly. That's how he concludes his letter. Let's all greet one another warmly. We have greeters to do that. We have ushers to do that. But let's make that a team thing. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may it be said about Summit Drive Church that we all see ourselves as ministers or as priests. And that as ministers, we seek to do ministry everywhere we go. At church, at home, at work, at play, in our neighborhoods. Yes, everywhere we go. And may it also be said that all the ministry we do in Christ's name is done for his glory. Yes, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.